then bring me in. And think of think of this Walshi as like this is your first show. Yep, yep. first show for members. Quick look at what Scammers had. <laughs> Sorry, the batteries are running out. We can't continue. <laughs> One, two. Okay. It's time for memorabilia men. Yes, there's a couple of us. And we aim to please. We're going to be digging deep and finding out just what is under the dust in perhaps your cupboard or perhaps in your garage. And what man that is on song is Dean Sullivan, the memorabilia man. Dean, welcome aboard. And we've got lots and lots to look forward to down the track. That's right. There's a lot happening in the auctions all, all around Adelaide at the moment. So uh, very interesting times. Do people want to get rid of things now? When you say it's all happening with auctions, people aren't going to give away treasures. They're going to have to be very careful, and I think that's where Scammels comes in. Yeah, a lot of people are decluttering. Uh, I think I've spoken about that before. Um, the older generation are sort of moving on, and so they're clearing stuff out of their houses. Uh, I know Scammels actually do a will go to people's houses and take the whole lot of, the, of what they've got, um, <laughs> Some some will go to a charity shop. Mm. Some might go in the bin. Uh, the better items will go into a night auction. Yeah, but what about those people that don't want to give anything away, really? They say to themselves, oh, that's too valuable. I don't want that to leave this house. And they've got to ponder, have a chat with their better half, and then make that decision. Can scammers help? Can someone who's with scammers, can they go out there and give some advice? Yeah, they can. And uh, there's a case where I think uh, Peter Scammell, who originally founded Scammels, um, was called to a, a person's property and uh, had a big dumpster out the front. And uh, he, he just happened to be walking past in his suit and he looked into the dumpster and he could see all this, this jewellery in boxes. And so he started climbing in there and he found all this jewellery that they were throwing away, which was very, very rare. I, I reckon I've actually seen you in rubbish bins from time to time. And, but the problem is that when you get into them, you don't want to get out. No, no I, did, I did read in the paper about some poor girl that got stuck in one of the, yes, the, yes. the bins. But, um, yeah, no, so he went into the house and uh, the items they had, you know, that they thought scammers would be interested in were very cheap items. The, the good items had all been thrown into the dumpster. Mm. Uh, each week on our program, our regular program on scammers, We'll be talking to, of course, Dean Sullivan and Peter Walsh, and we've got Bharat Sundaraman, who is our special guest this week. How good and how lucky are we to have you here, my friend? Welcome aboard. Thank you, Walshi. And Dean, yeah, I'm, I'm still, not to give away my age, <laughs> or take a pot shot at you guys, but I'm still at that stage in my life where I'm cluttering and not mm. decluttering, so I have a long way to go before I reach that point. Mm. Cluttering was a word perhaps we use a lot now, but years ago, cluttering, it sounded like the name of a horse at Morfordville or something, but people now are more aware that if they need to be able to get rid of some stuff out of their house, it's not getting rid of it to scammels, but scammels gives you the chance to auction it off. And I think it's a cultural thing as well, Walshi. Having grown up in India, it's not something you do uh, very often because our culture is to keep it for the next generation. And whether it's jewellery uh, or any kind of uh, well, memorabilia, I, th I don't even think we have the concept of memorabilia because mm -hmm. 
everything is a hand me down so like i said from clothes to toys to jewelry just comes goes from one generation to another uh, and maybe that's one of the main reasons we don't have auction houses but one thing i've realized after moving to australia is that you guys have a very different take on history uh, you preserve history better than um, anywhere else in the world in my opinion you're great storytellers uh, so it's not just about the memorabilia itself it's about the story behind each each object each thing that goes under the hammer at scammels and uh that's been fascinating listening to both you and especially dean over the last few years we're going to talk to dean about books uh, in a sec but i want to touch on you return from a cricket match mm. now let's say you're back in india and you walk in and you sit down and you look across oh someone has removed something from the bookshelf I can't believe it. Is there anything there at all that is so special to you that you would have Panadol experience, a headache, if you'd lost something that you valued so much? Uh, I think, yeah, in terms of books, the ones that I have I value more than others are the really old ones. Like in, in terms of, I mean, that might seem like a cliche, but... Uh, there's so much gold in all these really old books. I mean, I myself have written a book, as you know, and there are there are a lot of cricket books. And going back to that cultural bit about Australia, every Australian cricketer seems to have written a book, mm. not just mm. one, quite a few of them. Whether it's Steve Waugh, or Gil, Adam Gilchrist, or even, uh, and it was more in the past, right? Alan Border, and there's so many books about these guys. But there are these special ones, right? Like you find uh, books about Victor Trumper or Clem Hill, like guys from that generation that you just look at it and you read, read like through them, and you realize. A lot has changed in cricket, but still there's a lot which hasn't changed. And that, for me, fascinates me. So, yeah, I am very, very, uh, very particular about uh, those that collection of books, the really old ones. And uh, the story that you tell about a visit to Western Victoria ages ago and finding a tree. Now, who would have thought going out and finding a tree would have such an impact on your life? But it's because of your knowledge and because of your fondness of cricket being your world that you've got a memory that'll last forever yeah and uh, you had a lot to do with it you were the one who sent me on this uh, wild goose chase <laughs> yeah it was to Ballarat you said that uh, the at the main cricket ground mm. cricket oval there WG Grace had planted a tree uh, 100 years ago uh, and then many years later Ricky Ponting who was then Australia's captain uh, planted one on the opposite side of side of the oval, uh, and I went there. I was on my way driving from Adelaide to Melbourne. Stopped over. It was a cold, chilly evening. Uh, sat down for a beer with the boys as well, who had just finished a game. Uh, and then two days later, I asked Ricky Ponting about it, and of course he told me, "Yeah, Walsh is the one who got me to plant it." So that's when I found out about a connection. But yeah, I mean, there's so many like that. Like if you just, uh, uh, especially in Australia and in England in particular, you go to these county grounds. There's so much. Like I remember going to Worcester, and there's one wall on the. Uh, a, a, firstly, it's such a beautiful ground but on the other side of the wall there's just so much history just on one mm. wall mm. and not just with regards to cricket but like the wars and the cricketers who played before the war after the war you just get gather so much information and it's so much knowledge and and i think cricket compared to most other sports just celebrates nostalgia better mm. than any other mm. so yeah I, I, it's, it's fascinating actually it's a good point too and of course there's so much available at Scammels if you want to pop in there and say hello or of course jump online and have a look at what's happening in their auctions and Dean as we get you to shuffle forward 
the sporting knowledge that you possess is monumental. I wonder if you looked at your books or what you'd like to grab hold of. Is there anything that takes your fancy? Is there any particular sport apart from football that you would like to be able to grab a book and sit down and on any occasion with your lovely wife Pam just cool it, have a quiet glass and read a book? Yeah, well, of course, golf is my passion. So uh, some of the very old golfing books, uh, you can buy them. You know, I noticed an auction the other day in America selling for about $100 each. Um, and these were very old. You know, these were you know, 1910, 1920 books written about golf by, by the champions at the time. Champions at the time can change. And all of a sudden now we've got a Japanese who uh, stood tall and won a major during the week. Things change. We had the Australians who had uh, three or four who were up and about. Yeah. But one thing that never changes is it's the mystique of a Masters to be able to go there and enjoy what you have to offer. Yeah, well, in the case, and I was watching it yesterday morning, one bad shot. It, yes. wasn't, it wasn't even a bad shot. He just actually just misjudged it or hit it a little bit fat. It just didn't go that extra five feet, which would have been a great shot. It rolled mm. back into the into the pond and that was the end of him and he possibly could have won that. No, that's a good call. Now, look, I'm being a little bit careful here because we've got the house dog who's popping around yeah. and not saying too much too. Very well trained. Oh, there you there go. You go. On cue. <laughs> On cue, true. Now, we talked about the uh, the golf and I, we've talked about MS Dhoni, etc. But, Barhat, is there a book on your shelf? It doesn't have to be a sporting book. It might be psychological it might be cooking i don't know but is there any that you think to yourself yep that's got my name written all over it <laughs> yeah it, it's funny right like our life revolves around sport and cricket we watch it we cover it we write about it we talk about it uh so it's uh, yeah there was the dog not me uh breaking character but uh i think uh i've started reading a lot about australia in the old days like maybe in the 1800s where uh, which is the real, like, the beginning of Australia as a country, yes. as this a nation. Sport, though, this it? has nothing no, to do with no. sport. Like, uh, whether it's books about uh, uh, the first settlers and, mm. like, you know, how uh, the different states were formed and, and just the take uh, on indigenous people and how different it was back then. The language that was used. Like, you know, we live in politically correct times, but the language is okay to be used. Yes. And we're talking not, and this is Australia, it's such a young country, it's not England. So it's just, we're talking about 130, 140 years ago. And the the uh, the way they were written about, I, I found all that fascinating. And also you realize that Australia is still such an unexplored land. So I filled my bookshelf up in the last couple of years with a lot of books like that. And of course, uh, when I was driving through regional New South Wales, Walshie, trying to get back in, I also found a Wisden from 1985, which oh, was the year I was born, which yes. I thought like, I'm not a big Wisden collector, mm -hmm. but I just thought I should have one which uh, you know represents the year I was born. So that also uh, has earned a price spot in my bookshelf. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen your collection, uh, Dean. I've seen your collection of wine and most of the bottles are empty. <laughs> but the deal with sport, it's been a passion of yours for a long time. And we've talked about stamps. We've talked about coins. Is there a sporting book that you'd love to get your hands on? I've got one here that is the best sporting book I've ever read. And that was The Life and Times of Muhammad Ali, written by Thomas Hauser back in 1990. It was then nominated and given the tick as the best sporting book 
in the United States of America, Thomas Hauser, and I thought, I'll just pick it up from time to time and read it, and I just get that feeling of, I reckon I'm close to what's going on. Is there anything like that? Well, I was reading a book by uh, um, the great spin bowler, Clary Grimmett, yes. which was very interesting. But one of the best books I bought, and it wasn't because of the book, I'm not a great reader, I'm a collector, <laughs> um, was a book that I bought at, at the auctions, actually at Scammells many years ago, mm -hmm. and it had been autographed by W.G. Grace. Oh, and it wasn't a tree, was it? No, no, he'd written a note <laughs> to a friend, you know, I hope you da -da -da, enjoy yes. this, you know, W.G. Grace. And it was interesting because the, uh, all the book dealers had been through that morning and looked at that book and not noticed that it was actually W.G. Oh. Grace's signature, so... Yeah, it's quite a cheap item as it turned out. Massive changes have taken place, and I'll go from you, Dean, to Barhat, and that is the abilities and the awareness of a sporting people at the end of, say, a sporting contest. That's my phone. Can you just turn that off, please? <laughs> Get rid of that, please, because we're talking here. That's it. Gone. Thank you. Uh, the setup is a Melbourne footballer finished last week, and Melbourne had beaten Geelong at the MCG, and this was a this was a pretty good win. And so the Melbourne player ran across, and he may have known who the supporter was on the other side of the fence, I don't know. But he leant across and gave her a kiss, and they did a selfie, and he took off. And okay, that's fine. But that seems to be the way to go now. It's not so much autographs. You don't want autographs. You want a photo, and if possible, you, you want something that shows that you're there. Yeah, but that's the, that's the younger people today. They're changing the world, aren't they? And mm. so uh, that's the sort of thing they like, something for the moment, something that's sort of warm, fuzzy, all mm. that sort of stuff. Uh, but, yeah, that's how it's going. But still, autographs will still be popular. Right, so do you still glean autographs? Well, I, I bought... Like a, mine. Uh, I bought something at the... At the uh, at the market the other day, and it was an uh, uh, interesting item. And I'll well, don't shoot, don't stop there. You went to the market. What did you do? Buy an apple or an orange? What did you buy at the market? Well, apart from that, <laughs> I did actually. I bought an old uh, Redbacks uh, uh, Guernsey or whatever. Market. Hmm. Uh, Continue. And, and it was when they actually won the uh, the premiership. All right. Which no is a long well. time ago for the Redbacks, isn't it? So, in effect, and let's give a plug to the market, it's a wonderful place to visit, there's no drama there. So, is there a spot specifically, and we're plugging, of course, scammels, but is there a spot at the market? You can give your bill on this and then I'll throw it across to you. No, no, it's, it's just a lack of the draw. You know, someone's, someone's picked this up from a, from a house, the person selling it didn't really know what it was. So, you uh, jumped in? Yeah, it cost me $3. <laughs> now you were waving us when we were talking. What have you got for us, Barat? Oh no, no, no! I, I was actually waving at the dog while she but <laughs> it was waking up the whole neighbourhood. But um, and Dean's absolutely right, and that's why I love going to op, uh, op shops around mm. around the country, and especially the ones in regional Australia are the best yeah. because you find some absolute gold there in terms of jerseys and Guernseys mm. or books or even like little stickers. Like uh, like like Dean said, maybe people don't realise value maybe someone in the family bought it and they got, they passed on so they don't know what to do with it uh, so it's something that I advise people a lot like if you are into even if you're not into collecting like like 
to the extent mm. that Dean is. Just walk into an op shop, walk around. You might find something that you don't. I mean, this has nothing to do with sport or anything we're talking about. The first time I visited Australia, I was we, I was driving around regional Western Australia, uh, and I had been away from my wife for two months at that point. She was back in India, and I walk into this op shop and I find this. This tiny doll of a Bengali lady, which is what my wife oh, is. She comes okay. from Bengal, and okay. it had no—I don't know how it got to regional Western Australia, but it did. And I was so fascinated. I, it was like it cost me a dollar. Uh, I took it back home, and the first thing my wife said was like, "Hmm, are you calling me fat?" Because it was a quite <laughs> quite a chunky Bengali lady. But <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 uh, amazing what you can find if you just keep your eyes and ears open. True enough. Well, I've got one sharing moment before we wrap it up. Memorabilia men, Peter Walsh and Dean Sullivan, and Bharat Sundaraman, who has so kindly, as is his want, popped in to say hello. And I had a visit to the APY lands quite a few years ago. We had to get special permission to enter the APY lands, and I spent some time with Eddie Hocking and uh, with Andrew McLeod. And I was desperately keen to buy a loud shirt. And I went into the middle of the APY lands into, and I kid you not, the middle of nowhere. Mm. There was a football ground there. We had to clear the donkeys off the football ground because they were playing a grand final the following day. And this beautiful young lady came over and she said, uh, you've got a loud shirt on, would you like to buy another one? And the indigenous young lady, in her, I suppose her teen years, and she took me to this little marketplace and she produced this homemade, I hope that's the right way of talking about it, yeah. uh, shirt. It's the best shirt I've ever got. Mm. And I'm loath to wear it because I like it so much. But I'll get it out and we'll pop it somewhere so you can see it. Just extraordinary. Uh, it was in our backyard. It didn't have to go overseas. No, it was no. in Australia looking and you can yeah. find them, can't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I said, keep your eyes and ears open. And it's, it's really about... Um, I don't know, at times you can do all the research you want to in the world and like find a place where you'll find this. But at the best, the secret really is to go in open-minded, uh, not expecting anything. And that's where you find, uh, like I said, find gold and find red bags, gunsies for $3 like Dane did. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, Barrett. As always, for making us so welcome. And thanks for Feed the Dog next time before we pop in and say hello. And it's good to see you, as always, Dean. Thanks for popping in, and we'll be doing this on a regular basis, all sorts of bits and pieces. And the big plan down the track is for us to climb on board a truck and head into the distance and find some goodies to pass on to our good friends at Scammels. Yes, we'll be jumping in a dumpster, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I look forward to it. Good on you, Dean. Thanks a lot for that. Hang on, what, what, what? Yeah, and uh, considering uh, you two old boys uh, <laughs> need me, my help with most things, I also want to say that this podcast will be available on all podcast platforms, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Uh, so just look out for these two uh, wonderful <laughs> men. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> no, I mean, Walshi uh, is, of course, one of the most respected voices in Australian sport. He has been for over three decades now, and Dean knows everything about memorabilia, everything about scammers, everything about auctions. So, yeah, watch out for them. And like I said, they are everywhere. Aren't we just so good? <laughs> we'll talk next week on Memorabilia Men. <laughs>